Fulhamish is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast, the independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. Thank you for downloading today's show and I'm joined by Jack Collins. Hello. How you doing? Hello listeners. Yeah, I'm, I'm alright. That was I mean, a pretty brutal evening, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty cold from, from start to finish really. So we're recording this uh, a couple of hours after the match. Jack and myself were at the John Smith Stadium to witness Fulham's 1-0 defeat to Huddersfield Town. It was a pretty brutal evening for, for all concerned. Timothy Fossimenser's own goal, the difference between ourselves and the Terriers and Fulham are now twentieth in the table, which Rock is uh bottom. Yeah, not a pretty place to be. Um we always start off with some three word reviews and as you would imagine, plenty have come in. Yeah, they've come flooding in today. So um, I enjoyed Robert Ordover's I Miss Felix. What? <laughs> No, which no. I think was some light relief. No. I think it was some light relief. Oh, my God. Teddy Nello with Sa- Thanks, Slav, Adios. Wow. Rookery Mike from the old Watford podcast popped in to say pray for Slav. Oh, my God. Godzilla, Town and Out. Richard Bamba, Taxi for Slav. Ted Mansour, Hasta Slavisa, baby. John <laughs> I mean, that's quite good. John Withams <laughs> couldn't be bothered. But, but yeah, it was... Um, Gav FFC said Reading away 1920 <laughs> no, which is please. about as dark as it probably gets I think so that's about I'm going to leave it there because they're getting more depressing the lower down the list I'm getting I mean I don't know if I want to call the podcast Hastus Levisa baby but I mean that, that is a level of genius that has right. got to be kind of recognised yeah it's, it's really good David Ketwake who always gives us loads as um has come through he said new cellar dwellers we've bottomed out gutless useless rudderless fall from grace what just happened championship in view liverpool loom large another day ruined well let's not talk about liverpool for now because um i think that might just get too depressing uh, just to say that this season fulhamish is backed by ladbrooks for exclusive specials and promotions head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk maybe you'll get some good odds on uh Liverpool to win the championship next season. Um, there's a good one here which we might call the podcast. So I think it's probably important. Richard Bamba, Bonfire Night Implosion. Oh, very good. Oh yeah. Oh, I think course. he might have got the name on the last podcast. So so Richard is is doing very very well at the moment. Well, George Singer actually got the one on the last podcast, so it's not always Richard. Um, speaking of fireworks, our way back into Manchester, we were literally being peppered by kids throwing fireworks across the road. Uh, at our car um, it was a slightly hair raising experience you seem to enjoy it a bit more than me yeah I did enjoy it, it was, um, <laughs> yeah I mean we've learned that Sammy's never lit a firework so it wasn't too far off what, <laughs> what used to happen in the streets of Acton the mean streets so yeah I mean I wasn't I wasn't too worried I was in a car I didn't think it was going to go too badly but Sammy was a little bit petrified I was a little bit scared right we're procrastinating we are from what anything was- to talk about not talk about Fulham basically from what was a terrible night um, in Huddersfield and it all started quite positively really we looked at the lineup and we were all fairly happy with the lineup we kind of were caught in two minds pre-match about what we wanted we wanted consistency but we also didn't want Reem and Adoy 
at centre back. Um, we got one change with Lamar Shon coming in for Ream, and whilst maybe some of us wanted Alfie Mawson to replace a Doy, it was a lineup that looked good going into the game. Yeah, we were we were quite pleased with it. It was a you know it looked like a a lineup set that would dominate possession. It looked like it it would it would work in, in that respect, and I think that. You know, in 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 some regards, we looked like we were going to go out there and try and dominate the ball from the off, and from the off, that just didn't happen. We just failed to get a foot on it, and you know, we ended up playing a counter-attacking system with a possession-based lineup, which is one of the strangest things I've seen in in a long time in Fulham colours, and and, and especially from a manager who's spoke so much about wanting to keep his style and wanting to. You know, impose his style upon the Premier League. We lost that completely tonight against a team that, theoretically and on paper, we should have been able to impinge ourselves upon. I mean, there's so many myths about this Fulham team at the moment. Yes. The one that everyone loves to go on about is our defence. And yes, the defence has been leaking. The defence has been shocking at times. But then these kind of lazy articles about Fulham will then go, but Fulham have got great attackers. Fulham spent 100 million on, on this front line and they can score goals at will. If they concede five goals, they'll probably try and score six. Our attacking tonight was insipid. It didn't look like it was ever going to click. I think, you know, in, in response to that, what you can say is that we've had one shot on target in the previous two games in the Premier League. That's not a... Know, the side that likes attacking. Yeah, I think we started this season. We looked like we had, you know, dynamite in the in in the attacking third. And yes, we were susceptible at the back. And yes, we were naive. But going forward, we looked sharp. We looked like we were trying to control games. We looked like a shadow of, you know, not just even the championship team, but the team that started this season. And yes, we didn't play particularly well against Palace. And but we were okay. We did all right. Two naive mistakes cost us the game, but on the whole, we were we were I think good value for a point. That you know in that game, if we'd come out that with a point, no one would have felt aggrieved. And you know, we look at Burnley, you look at Brighton, even those Spurs, games, even Spurs. You look at those games and you th- you think, where has that Fulham gone? And I'm not asking for you know 23 games unbeaten, free flowing Championship Fulham because we all know that that was going to be different and difficult to transpose into the Premier League. What I'm asking for is to see some of that team that we saw in the first couple of weeks who you know might not have been perfect but at least they had a go and at least they tried to bring that kind of style of play to the Premier League they tried to dominate possession they looked to get on the ball and play football that's gone missing it's confidence though isn't it and from minute one you could tell and I think that was maybe the one difference of being in the stadium to those that watched on telly I could see that the Fulham players looked nervous and and it was a fervent atmosphere in, in the crowd. The that Huddersf- was good. The, the Huddersfield fans were good value. But even, okay, yeah, was, there was the ultras and all that, but even the kind of casual Huddersfield fan on the side of the pitch were really getting into this one. They were up for it. And it just looked like the players were terrified of making a mistake, terrified of making a misplaced pass because they knew what the potential consequences might be. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, just on a note on, on what you were saying there about the ultras, a lot of people giving them stick and and that. I thought they were excellent. You know, it, it made noise and, and you see it kind of at Palace and this was a little bit less Fathers for Justice <laughs> and a little bit more kind of, you know, I understand that there's always going to be kind of 
uh, skepticism. skepticism about the idea of bringing kind of that European kind of ultra feel to a game. You know, I know they do that march down to the stadium with all the flares and the banners and stuff. But you know what? And they had a drum and, and lots of people don't like drums. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not mad on them myself, but they got everyone going and they got the stadium going time and time and time again. And I think that there's something to be said for that. I think that, you know, much as people will say, oh, it's a bit cringe and whatever. You know, Huddersfield had 21,000 there tonight. 21,000, which is less than Fulham bring in every week. And the place bumped more than the cottage has done in years. Apart from maybe Derby. Maybe the Derby game. Yeah. But, it, you know, that was on a Monday night. Yes, it was a big game for them against Fulham. But I imagine that it is like that most weeks. And, and I think that we've got, we could all look at that and then maybe learn something and, and have a think about how we address Fulham games. Um, moving things back onto the pitch, the thing, especially in the first half, that I couldn't get my head around is why Fulham seemed to just be trying to go long ball against Huddersfield. It seemed utterly mad. The ball was just clearly not sticking to Mitrovic, who had a thankless task trying to hold up play when there was no one near him, when he had three tree trunks of central defenders around him trying to mark him. I mean, has Lavisa completely lost the plot? What is he trying to do tactically there? Whenever we actually got the ball down for a few times in the first half and actually tried to play out the back... We opened up Huddersfield pretty quickly, pretty easily. It was only maybe the odd poor touch in the final third that, that let us down. Why? And this isn't the first time we've done it either. We've been doing this for several games now, trying to just pump it up to Mitrovic and hope for the best. I mean, this isn't the Fulham we know and love. No, not at all. I think you know, ultimately we've, we've got to look at this and, and think what's going wrong. Credit has to be given a little bit to Huddersfield, who you know, realise that what we like to do is play those triangles around the midfield and and look to play it out of the back and open the gaps by making them kind of force onto us. But they stopped, they closed down those channels. The the five at the back allowed them to, you know, really push the full backs backwards in terms of how they bombed on and we didn't exploit the channels that you know they they would have left if those if those fullbacks weren't getting back and ultimately we weren't quick enough we weren't decisive enough and we weren't sharp enough in the middle to play through their press and all that left us on, on with was with Adoy and Lamarchand having to play that kind of channel ball into Mitrovic and it wasn't working you know you you feel a little bit sorry for both the centre backs in in that regard because there was no other out ball and there was no you know attempt from the midfield three to really try and make the triangle to allow them to do that and actually weirdly when I didn't think Anguisa was particularly good tonight in fact I thought he was largely poor but in the first half the moments where we did look to get control of it he almost split in as a third centre back which is what exactly what he needed to do to, to open up the options to allow Fulham to move forward and to, to basically break the press and, and when he did that that was when we you know got the ball down onto the deck and then started to knock it about a little bit and and ultimately, you know, when, when those things happened, we looked better. But and like I said, you know, this team was set up to play possession football. And then as soon as it went not even slightly wrong, it was this was before they scored. We just abandoned that and started playing this weird long ball route one stuff, which is one, not our style. Two, doesn't suit us. And three, exactly the opposite of what we said we'd want to see at Fulham and why we'd want to keep Slav here at all. I mean, with balls being pinged over his head, it does seem a bit harsh to single him out. But one player that's been beyond criticism, I think up until now, 
Jean-Michel Serri, who just looks off the pace, disinterested, but also is making routine mistakes, making a habit of misplaced passes. I remember when he misplaced that pass against Man City earlier in the season, we said, well, you can forgive him. You can forgive the master for making one misplaced pass against a very good team. But this is this is fairly common now that John Mikel Seri gives away the ball. He just doesn't seem comfortable out there. There's some defence of him in that he's clearly playing with technically inferior players and thus is trying to do too much himself. But But we did say that... It's not like he was playing for Barcelona last season. He was playing for Nice. Yeah, but Nice are also very good. Yeah, but I mean... It's not not the biggest step up. I don't think Tim Fossey meant to play the pass to a Fulham player in the first half. So if I'm John McElsterry looking for an out ball... I'm not going to pass the ball to Tim Fossey Mensah. So therefore, immediately, one of my options is shut down. Do you know what I mean? It's not. I'm not excusing him here because he was poor tonight. You know, as were most of our team. He was bad tonight. He was. He was missing. He didn't have any bite. There was no kind of. You know, you expected him even to drive from deep occasionally when he got the ball, and there was no real sort of get up and go in his game. But I do feel sorry for him in some respects because the options aren't being opened to him to kind of get the ball down and, and open the game up in the way that I imagine he would like to. Um, I feel like I'm just going to have to kind of go through the team here and yeah. and single people out. Let's which, cut them all down. Um, well, let's move on to Timothy Fossumensa, who I was really happy when he came back into the side at right back. Christie had that dreadful game against Arsenal. Which I maintain wasn't his fault. Um, Chambers had that terrible game against Cardiff. Which we was were, completely his fault. And we were all praying for the return of TFM and when it happened uh, last week against Bournemouth I think it was one of the positives we were like okay well good we've we've got a solid right back I mean what's happened he wasn't good against Bournemouth either well no I know and he was terrible against Man City yeah I mean you can forgive him that one but tonight I mean he just (sighs) it was is he even a right back? Very strange. You know, there was there was there's something in that you know what what Fosumens is supposed to be power, that, you know, and and that kind of run that kind of pace down the right and and the ability to get the ball and drive past a defender, but every time the ball looked open for the overlap, he basically refused to go around his winger, and I can't remember him getting ahead of his winger on any occasion in the first half, which is basically the entire intricacy of Fulham's system. What we rely on and what we relied on last year was our fullbacks getting around the wingers, you know, getting the ball into the channel for them and, and getting pullbacks across. And that's where we got so much joy last year. And his inability to run, to, to, to kind of get around his winger was, was baffling at times. You know, it was like, go on then, go on then. And he just wouldn't go. And, you know, I don't know if he's been stung by being caught too far forward or he's worried about what was said about Cyrus after the Arsenal game and he's worried about that affecting his game. But when Cyrus came on, you know, Cyrus is hardly a world beater. But the, you know, difference in his you know ability to just get around and have a go, you know, really did help us on that side. Yeah, it was an interesting substitution from Slav at half time. I, mean, I would have made that up. What, Christy for TFM? Yeah, absolutely. That wasn't the one I was really going to pick uh, okay, up yeah, on. Sorry. So Kevin McDonald comes on for Luciano Vieto. I yes. mean, your face, because you came in about two or three minutes after you know the second half started from your pint, and I think Lydia was the one that told you what the substitution was. <laughs> I mean, your jaw hit the floor. I mean, it's... 
I didn't think Vieto had the greatest half. He was always struggling because that they kept try, trying to put that same ball into him round the corner and yeah. every single time the Huddersfield defender would just get in front of him because Luciano was looking to turn him and just was getting no joy from that. But other than that, I thought like he looked like a fairly bright outlet. To bring on K-Mac, I mean, did he play a diamond? Yeah, I think he did. Uh, I, okay. There is something to be said. I understand why he brought K-Mac on because we were being overrun through the middle. But to completely change the formation, change the shape and and kind of lose the width, which was the only place we were really getting any joy, seemed like a strange move. Vieto, I thought, was far superior to Schurler in the first half, who I thought was desperate tonight, and we'll get on to him because I know you've got a couple of choice words for Andre Schurler yourself, but... I thought Scherler was desperate for Vieto much the whole game, but Vieto, he, he ran around a fair... Yeah, he wasn't having the most luck. He would have got a lot of joy, though, in that in those closing stages where Huddersfield were on their knees. I thought so as well. And, and, you know, to bring off kind of his pace and guile, he also looked like the only Fulham player that wanted to take on a man. And yes, it didn't always go right for him. But in the first half, he was the only one that tried to get round someone at any given point. And I think that given that, it would make very little sense for, you know to take him off but you know Slav didn't play him against Bournemouth he you know obviously has not quite got the faith in him that maybe the rest of us do and I'm, I'm sure there are reasons for that but in in a game like today it didn't really make any sense to me I mean Slav shot himself in the foot really though through his Substitution, well, his, his bench that he chose, where which yeah. I mean, Stephanie Hansen was the most attacking player. Where's sorry, where is Aite? Where is Cabane? I mean, where is even Kamara? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not having that. <laughs> well, okay, I'd rather have five players on the bench. All oh, right, well, whatever, but still, but point, yeah, Cabano and Aite must be sitting there going, What do I have to do? This, why do you need four center backs on the bench? Like, you know, it is not. I mean, Slav has had, does have a tendency for you know, picking a very defensive bench, but not to this extreme. Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, you know, I don't know what Niskan Skabano does. I assume he's you know killed Slavisa's cat or something, <laughs> um, because from the looks of it, we're never going to see him in a Fulham shirt again. No. Um, but Floyd's always been kind of one of Slav's favourites, and he's always kind of gone back to Floyd. And to not see him on the bench today was a real, real kind of blow especially when there was so little else for him to choose from and uh, and imagine you know unless there's an injury that we haven't heard about or something it just doesn't really make any sense can i come on to it yeah go on then let's do it i i have no time for andre Schaller. yeah i know and and i've thought it for a little while and i just think he flatters to deceive and i think that dortmund sold us a dud and I, I really sold him so that we haven't, we haven't well, effectively a two year loan yeah but I don't think we paid too much for uh, well regardless of how much we paid for him or not I'm sure he didn't come cheap whatever way whether it's wages signing on fee loan fee I don't care whatever it is yeah the man doesn't move the he, he's wasteful he's I think he's extremely I, selfish yeah selfish lazy honestly I just I don't see what the fuss is about. I really, really don't. I think he's a luxury player and one that right now we just frankly don't need. 
And I, I thought it was a despicable performance tonight. I thought, I, I honestly, I couldn't. I was spitting feathers all game. I don't yeah, know. You, you, you were quite angry. And maybe, I'm, maybe I'm laying too much into one particular player, but I, I'm just saying what I felt, and that was what I felt. Hey, he has kind of weird and not ability, the knack, I suppose is the word, for taking shots from ranges where there's just no shot on. Was frustrating. I mean, we've talked about it before on the podcast. He just sort of shoots from anywhere. But, you know, he, I mean, yes, he has the bit of magic in him. That's the only thing that you can say in that, you know, you look at that strike against Cardiff. Yeah. You look okay. at the kind of, you know, goal against Burnley. You know, he has that ability to, to, you know, to kind of change things on a sixpence if, if it comes off him. But I'm not sure if the kind of wasteful nature of his game is impacting the team far more negatively than if he wasn't playing. But the only thing is, I don't actually know what the alternative right now... You play Vieth, well, I mean, right now, you... you Maybe just a Yite or something You like wait that. for Joe Bryan to come back and you move Sess into that spot. I mean, is... Was it you that said, is he this season's Ross McCormack? In yeah, terms I saw of, it on Twitter, so I can't claim full responsibility for it. It was a good point. As in, Ross McCormack was a was a vital player in some ways, but actually he hampered the whole way the team played. And as soon as we got rid of Ross McCormack, I don't think it was a coincidence that it resulted in an upturn in Fulham's form. We all thought, what are we going to do about Ross? But actually realised he hampered the entire way we played because it all kind of had to go through him and around him. And look, I hope Andre proves me wrong. And I hope he goes up to the Hammersmith end and he's got my name on his shirt. <laughs> And well, well, I don't think he'll have your name on his shirt after that sort of scathing. No, but as in like saying, <laughs> trying to prove me wrong, whatever. But, but tonight was horrible. Absolutely yeah, it was, horrible. It wasn't good. It wasn't good in any respect from Andre Scheller. And, you know, he's had a couple of games now where he's looked wasteful and, you know, kind of a little bit off the pace and, and not having that ability to sort of track back and leaving his fullback exposed and... We always thought it was Vieto that maybe was the more luxury player, but I think by distance it's Andre Scherler. Look, maybe if we recorded this podcast a couple of days after the event, like we normally do, maybe I wouldn't have played into Andre Scherler, but that's kind of what you get from this podcast with it being, you know, so immediate after the game. Live um, and direct exactly. inside the place. Um, let's take a quick break. Afterwards, let's kind of discuss the ramifications of this. Yeah. Hello, I'm Lucas Piazon, and when I'm not winding up Reading fans, I'm listening to Fulhamish Podcast. Fulhamish has teamed up with One Football, the only football app that you need this season. Uh, you can get it on both the App Store and on Google Play. Using personalised news feeds, push notifications and a user-friendly interface, OneFootball makes it easy to keep up to date with the latest transfer news, scores and stats in one central place. Check out the OneFootball app and let us know what you think of it. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. We're just going to maybe have another 10, 15 minutes of the pod and just look at where Fulham even try and pick themselves up and go from here and bit of slav chat as well because the question's being asked um fulham find themselves at the bottom of the table we'll ever on points with cardiff i think huddersfield is still actually in the bottom three despite um winning today i think huddersfield were the last team in the top four divisions of england to get a win they were this season so I mean, I mean, it's classic Fulham in that respect, isn't it? Absolute classic Fulham. It's Sunderland away last season vibes all over again. And, you know, we've made a knack for this down the years of giving a team the win that they 
desperately need, they desperately crave. That we're eleven games in, we have five points. It's uh it's a pretty bleak outlook. It's not where I think any of us would have expected to be. Um it's five defeats in a row. Liverpool away at Anfield is up next so barring a miracle and one or two people came up to me tonight and said wouldn't it be Fulhamish if we won at Anfield I said no it would honestly be an absolute miracle if we yeah. if we won at Anfield on Sunday and it ain't gonna happen so that's six defeats in a row I mean teams don't really survive from this position very often we're lucky in in some respects in the the bottom well, the bottom kind of seven are all really quite poor. And, you know, with without West Ham's victory at the weekend, they would maybe be in here, but I think they'll probably be good enough to survive. You know, Palace on eight points can't buy a win, although they were much improved against Chelsea. Burnley, you know, have had that moment against Bournemouth where they thought it all turned around, but since then it's been kind of bleak for them. Southampton can't score to save their lives. Newcastle can't score to save their lives, but got a you know, a big win against Watford at the weekend, even though they were extremely lucky. You know, Huddersfield couldn't score to save their lives until they came up against Fulham. And uh, admittedly, and we have to take it into context that whilst Huddersfield were impressive tonight across the pitch, it was an own goal that got them the win tonight. They did have other chances, though, to potentially yeah. get another I think we would goal. have had a different game on our hands if they hadn't scored. But, you know, maybe that would have suited us and maybe it wouldn't. And they, and, and you know, I spoke to... Lee in the preview last week and and he said to me he said Huddersfield last season made a knack of getting in front and holding on for dear life and they made a real real that, that was how most of their wins came yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you can see how that's the way that they win games tonight because as soon as they went 1-0 up it was such a tall order I mean they were just booting it down the pitch weren't they as soon as we even got close to their half it would just be another boot down pitch it was almost like rugby the last 20 minutes today was some of the worst football I have ever seen in real life and I've watched non-league football I've watched you know Sunday league football it was really bad like there was no skill there was no guile from either side this isn't just us it was just sort of up and down over and under try and lob the ball to your front man kind of you know, no kind of ability in it. And, and it was really depressing viewing for, you know, not just for fans of, of Arsenal. I imagine it wasn't depressing viewing for fans of Huddersfield, but I imagine those of them looking for good football would have been, you know, come out slightly agog at how bad the last 20 really were. I mean, we, we laid into Cardiff a few weeks ago, but the, the, I mean, that Cardiff team have got significantly more talent than this Huddersfield team. And both of them currently have significantly more talent than we do. Well, yeah, exactly. So look, we're in a position that none of us expected to be in, us to be in. And and I don't think many experts or pundits, whenever I chat to people kind of outside of Fulham, they're shocked at where we are. They were all saying, oh, I was expecting Fulham to do quite well this season. How are you where you are? People are calling for Slav's head. It's inevitable when you lose five on the spin in any competition I think the manager's always going to be under pressure especially when it's happened in such dramatic style as it has happened for Fulham if it hasn't been a kind of demoralising loss like it was today it's been a heavy defeat like it was to Everton or Bournemouth or Arsenal it's been a pretty shocking two months I mean where where are you are you are you slav in are you slav out are you slav I don't know I, I, I can't work out yet but at the moment he's making a lot of mistakes I don't know you know I was quick to 
to jump, not jump. I think I was quick to call for his head last year after some really bad performances. And, you know, there's plenty about that period that remains unexplained and I think will always remain unexplained to us in terms of how things were working behind the scenes at the club. But also I'm aware that I was quick to, you know, slate and, and not say give him a chance to turn it around. And he did turn it around and, you know, credit where credit's due. But right now... This isn't him picking players in the wrong positions. It's not him, you know, making, you know, yes, his substitutions have been poor, but they haven't been, you haven't been inexplicable, you know, in in the way that some of them were last year. He hasn't been, you know, absenteeing players from the side, you know, in the mould of Rafa Suarez when we didn't have a left back. And so that suggests to me that the rift is maybe something deeper and something you know, more out of his control. I think a lot of last year's one was politicking, which is bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, that's acceptable, but you know, at least, you know, you can understand it. You can, you can, you can fathom what he's doing and it doesn't make it right and it doesn't make it good, but you can kind of get to where he's thinking in terms of, Oh, if I do this, maybe the board will decide to do that. I don't think he's doing that. I don't think this is a power play to the board. I just think he's lost the dressing room and, you know, the attitude of many of the players on the pitch today, the attitude that doesn't seem to be coming across from within the club suggests to me that maybe there's something deeper here that we need to address on, on, on that level. And the players don't seem to be playing for him. And I think that, yes, they're nervous. Yes, they're worried. But they don't seem to be playing for the manager. And, and that worries me. I mean, there just seems to be story after story. I mean... Fulham lost another coach, Alberto Escobar, this week. It doesn't seem to be in acrimonious circumstances from from what we're led to believe. But, you know, many are asking us, you know, what was the impact of, of Stuart Gray going? I, the, I the, think the, it was probably very little as a, as a point of interest because Stuart Gray hasn't been working with the first team for quite some time. I know he came out and did the warm-up and stuff. But overall, the kind of... Uh, impression I was given from from those inside the club was that Stuart Gray had been working more with the academy over the last kind of 12 months than he had been with the first team. But there's certainly a lot of upheaval, you know. Of course. And there was also the goalkeeping coach who's who's left. There was Ream's comments and, you know, things tonight. And he's done it before. It's nothing new. But Kearney, straight down the tunnel, couldn't wait to go down the tunnel. Uh, You know, and, and Ryan Sessegnon's on the pitch devastated yeah which he does most you know he, he's done what he's doing more and more these days after you know but there's more maturity and you know Look, everyone deals with things in different ways I think that's important to point out at this point you know but it's also not the attitude you expect from your club captain and uh, yeah you know it, it doesn't have to be not all captains are the same not all captains are you know leaders of men in terms of sp- speech some of them lead by example some of them you know there's lots of different and sometimes things. he does lead by example and we I mean we've been quick to praise Tom Kearney as quick as we are to criticize him now but to go down the tunnel straight away today and and not come across after such a disheartening performance I mean you know what at the end of the day if he comes out and produces a masterclass against Liverpool and you know scores a hat-trick from outside the box and we win 3-2 you know, none of this is going to matter. Well, yeah, that, I mean, it will still matter, but it's, you know, he he has to do his talking on the pitch as opposed to this. But in those circumstances, it surely can't be too difficult 
to come over yeah and just and just appreciate for a lot of people have traveled a long way a lot of people have gone out of their way to make a monday night fixture which they won't get home from until you know two three o'clock in the morning before they go back to work tomorrow it's you know it's not i'm not here being like oh every player should come and thank the fans for 10 minutes like you know it's fans choose whether or not they yeah, want to i'm not expecting stuff. a refund yeah not at all but I, I don't think it's too much to just come over and you know just say thank you but has Slav lost the dressing room? Like, has he It lost? feels like it. There's no drive. There's no passion. There's no commitment. And, you know, I don't think those things are more important than technical ability. I do believe that technical ability outweighs all of those things. But when you're lacking, you know, lacking the ability and, and things aren't quite going your way, a little bit of drive and passion goes a long way to restoring faith amongst the people that support you, I think. I just can't decide whether sacking the manager, though, is the real solution to this. Unless we have a replacement completely lined up, ready to go. I just cannot believe that uncertainty, a temporary manager, is going to do all that much. It may just give us that instant boost. If you did it before Southampton, it might just get you three points against Southampton in a real short-term game. Yeah, but right now, three points would take us to 14th. But would you risk sacking your manager to get one win that takes us to 14th that no way wins you the war? It briefly gives you some respite, but don't worry, as soon as Chelsea and Leicester come to town, we'll be back in it. Like, yeah, look, the, the only thing is that, like, you know, is it any, you know, where, where do you, you know, I don't, I don't know if it gets any worse than tonight. You know, would I, would I switch Slav for, you know, a, one of the big six merry-go-round managers that we, that people always talk about, Allardyce or Moyes or Pardew? Of course I wouldn't, you know, I'm a, I'm a Cruyff disciple, uh, like fluid four three threes. Like, I don't want long ball football. I'd rather get relegated playing good football than than stay up playing Allardyce ball. The problem is at the moment, and if Slava was sticking to his principles, that's what I mean. If this was us playing decent football, playing possession football, and losing, even if we were losing to Huddersfield, we were playing the kind of Slavisa way, and and people were buying into the system, I would. I would probably have a different view. But today it was long ball. It was route one. And actually the weirdest thing is that when we actually got the ball down on the deck, that's when we were best because that's what this team is set up to do. They're not built to play long ball football. They're built to play short possession football that allows you to create triangles in the midfield and pass by players. That's how we had so much success last year. And so that's the big myth that gets me. People saying, oh, if Fulham stopped playing this tippy-tappy stuff, they'd be better. But actually, we're not really playing this tippy-tappy stuff. We're, you know, yes, we try and get the ball down sometimes, but like ostensibly, those are the times we're doing better. Yeah, And so for us to say, oh, it's enough to can this tippy-tappy stuff and go with long ball football. Look what long ball football is. We're playing long ball football. We played long ball football tonight yeah. and it went absolutely diabolically wrong. And that's what for me is, is worrying about Slav. I think he deserves time still, but he's got to find solutions quick. But you look at someone I don't like, need to see solutions. I need to see some sort of improvement. But week on week, we're getting worse. We're getting worse. That's hard to swallow. It's I don't, I I don't have any answers at the moment. I just I just don't. I, I don't, don't know where we go from here because unless we suddenly produce a masterclass against Liverpool and start you know 
I don't know how you back any you know back anywhere more on Sunday afternoon than what we are now. In fact, I can only see this getting worse by Sunday afternoon. I mean, thing is, we may scrape through against Southampton. We may because Southampton look pretty terrible. So did Huddersfield until today, and we made them look like world beaters. I'm just saying, but even if we did, and I don't think it's a gap. I don't think it's guaranteed that we would beat Southampton. You've got Liverpool. You've got Chelsea. I mean, barring miracles, it's zero points. You've, you've got Leicester. I don't think Leicester's exactly winnable. And then... You've got to be looking at Leicester, though, as a, a game at home that you should be trying to pick up points. Yeah, at. but it's, it's it's all looking really, really bleak. Yeah, of course. You know, it looks you know, really we, bleak. Whoever, to be honest, mate, we're 20th. There are no teams worse than us. Yeah, but we said before these three games, and I think we kind of joked, like, what would happen if we didn't win the three games? And we all pretty much unanimously said we're down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're in real, real, real trouble. Wow. I mean, it's hardly an insight. It's not, you know, we're bottom of the league having five points from 11 games and we're, you know, coming up to a third of the way through the season. The only reason that I'm not saying already that we're relegated is because there's a lot of teams this year who are also quite poor. Yeah. And if we're going to, if we somehow and it's probably going to be stay one. up, it's going to be because there are teams worse than us rather than because we're any cop. It's probably going to be one of the lowest points totals to stay up. Just looking at the way the league is is formed this season, there's yep. already you know there's the top three teams have nearly got sixty points, sorry ninety points between them. I mean that's incredible, yeah. and 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 clearly there's such a skew in the league this season. It's probably going. It could even be like thirty points to stay up. I think it's going to be. You know, normally they do a, a league and a mini league and a league, don't they? So they say that you know if you get seventh, you've come best of the rest almost. I think there'll be three leagues in the league this year. You know, there'll be a top six, then there's going to be that seventh to sort of thirteenth, and then fourteenth to twentieth is an absolute scrap race. That's a worry. Yeah. But well, you look at the likes of Wolves, you know, and, and people are like, oh, you know, has Slav not earned the right to, to do, you know, to do okay? And then to do, I think if you look at, you know, Cardiff under Warnock, no one's asking for Warnock to be sacked because, you know, it's not, they haven't got worse and worse every week. In fact, you know, while Cardiff don't, you know, are, you know, I'm not going back into the odd. They don't play nice football because I think the argument's a bit tired, and uh, and actually I think they play better football than we give them credit for a lot of the time. But but you know, ultimately they're playing the way they want. They're playing the way their manager wants, which is with like passion, desire, style. Yeah, and style is the wrong word. Passion, desire. You know, they put the ball into the mixer. They get themselves about. They they throw themselves in front of shots. That's how they play. And so the man, the fans are happy enough because. Most weeks, even if they lose, they're putting in the shift that they want to see. I don't want to see passion. Well, I mean, obviously, do want to see passion, desire, and fight. I want to play, see us playing short on the deck football that utilizes our strengths rather than playing to our opponents' advantages. I'm not, you know, I don't really care for players throwing themselves in front of blocks because I'd rather the mistake had been cut out before the block had to happen. But, you know, if there's going to be a lack of technicality, a little bit of drive and, and, and hunger for it and, you know, desire to wear the shirt does help, you know, to a fan base to kind of gravitate back towards a team who aren't necessarily doing very well. Well, look, it's it's been a bit of a difficult pod. I don't think we're going to, you know... This isn't correct. a time classic. We're not going to correct 
too many wrongs tonight on this podcast but we've kind of given our thoughts it's raw it's emotional and right now to be honest recording a fulham podcast was probably fairly low down my wish list yeah well it wasn't it wasn't pleasant it's sort of now one o'clock in the morning we've both got to be up early doors to, to go to work but it is what it is we had to you take the rough of the smooth yeah you know you get those great podcasts after the playoff final win you get those great podcasts where we did 23 in a row and we didn't think we could ever come down from that cloud but these are the the rough nights and the ones that that make you you know grateful for those good times i suppose and and so i suppose in, in some respects not necessarily it doesn't really matter if you're slav in slav out whatever you know keep the faith with the team and, and hopefully we'll come through this on the other side whatever happens well we're not 100 sure what's happening for the rest of the week regarding fulhamish podcasts there will be some sort of preview to the liverpool match uh, coming up hopefully we're going to be speaking to some of the lads from the anfield rap and getting their thoughts uh, ahead of the game as well but uh, timings tbc at the moment so hopefully we'll keep you posted if you follow us on uh, social media uh, and also there's a very important podcast coming up uh, F- uh, fulham and the first world war uh, which I've been working on for the past few weeks. So hopefully that should be also dropping before Sunday um, as well. Thank you so much. It's a real special, that one. So make sure you get yourselves tuned in. It's a, it's a very, very moving and, and emotional experience, I think. Well, Probably thank the right you. word. Well, um, thank you for listening today. Um, it's been a pretty grim Monday night as they go. Hopefully your weeks get better and yeah. uh, you can try and forget about the football as, as much as you can and... Look, we'll go again on Sunday and we'll, we'll be there in our numbers and it's going to be a really, really difficult one, but we'll see what happens and uh, and we'll go again. Uh, Jack Collins, um, what what do you fancy naming the pod? Oh, I did like Bonfire Night Implosion. Uh, I think that's probably as let's, good as it's going to get. Let's, let's do it. Bonfire Night Implosion. Uh, Jack, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you very much, Sammy. And uh, we will see you on the next one. We'll see you at Anfield. Keep the faith. Keep the whites. <laughs>